Okay, so we just got done podcasting Jack Hooper, who is one of the leaders of Bros and Bras, and which is the running group in Jefferson County. And um, he is going to ask me questions about Bros and Bras, how it started, where it came from, the concept, um, what happens behind the scenes, what have we accomplished, who is it for, who is it not for, what our goals are, all those sort of things. But Jack has a whole list of questions he can ask me, so I thought that would make for a good podcast also. Are you there, Jack? Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Good to go. Good. Let's get started. Well, let's get right to the very beginning. How did you come up with the ideal for this group? Well, Bros and Bras wasn't Bros and Bras in the beginning. In the beginning, one of my companies, Bracken's Painting, I had a little bit of expendable cash and my wife Jenny was really getting into fitness. She had a lot of workout buddies at the gym. She wanted to start running some 5Ks, some small races. Maybe she wanted to be in some workout competitions. I thought, you know, it'd be really cool if um, we put like matching jerseys, you know, and and I thought it'd be cool if, if, if Bracken's Painting sponsored the Bracken's Painting running team to go run a 5K and have all these pretty girls wearing the outfit. That would look really cool. Um, I went to undergrad in Philly and graduate school in Philly, and one of and my graduate studies was sports and recreation and administration. So I had this innate understanding and knowledge about how sports programming should happen, and I told Jenny what my kind of my expectations for that kind of running group would be, this little running team, and why it would work and what it should do and what it shouldn't do. And we didn't really see eye to eye. She may not even remember this even going down, but I remember because I was like, well, this would be fun to sponsor a team. And I remember back when I was, when I grew up in Arlington, I was like on the, the local soccer team for the eight and under or eight and over, whatever it was. And that was sponsored by Hertz Hammers or some laundry, and that's Hertz dry cleaning that existed a million years ago. It may still be there, but I kind of envisioned something like that. Yeah, my first team was sponsored by Frosty. Frosty. Yeah, Frosty Root Beer. <laughs> right, so <laughs> yeah. so it, I, th- I just thought it would be a great idea. Um, but because that didn't really gain any traction with Jenny and the kind of things that she wanted to do, I kind of just tabled the idea for a while. And then we, um, if I remember correctly, we did Ragnar in 2013 or 14. I guess it was 13. Ragnar Appalachians. It was the second year that they'd had it at that event. And me and Jenny and Joey Delgado and Mike Sanders and Laura Bergman, a couple other people um, were out there for this race. And it was Jenny's very first big race. And the rest of us were relatively accomplished racers on some level. And Jenny really got bit by the bug of running races and big races. She really, really enjoyed that. And she inevitably signed up for the Freedom's Run, which is a race that's produced out of the Two Rivers Treads um, Freedoms Run community and so kind of like uh, almost all the members from our Ragnar team met there to do a run Bill Young that was the one I was forgetting so um, we we wanted to meet there and it was was pretty much me and Jenny's first time being at a race that big and that race goes in different directions like a 5k and 10k go one direction the half marathon goes another direction but you meet in this area where it's a big group and I was like come man we can't find our crew like we're here it's almost time to start where's our friends let's get linked up and I thought you know it'd be really cool if we had a flag the flag could be up in the air and then we say hey everybody look for the white flag or look for the red flag or whatever it is and I said, it'd be cool if we had like a, a running team, put the team name on the flag, and we could raise it up. And if we run to be really motivated, we could carry it during the race, and that'd be hardcore. And again, I'm just talking talking on my butt because I'm not even that good a shape, frankly. I was Jenny was in way better shape than I was, and I had aspirations of being in the same shape she was. But it, that way we could find our friends. And then I was like, I was daydreaming, like, you know, it'd be pretty cool if we had like the matching jerseys. You know, and if we brought in like our friends, we could be like our own little fitness gang, you know, and we like kind of get pumped up before the 5K. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be cool? We'd have a flag, have five or six, maybe seven or eight people there. And we're all excited to go run this 5K. And wouldn't that be fun? Um, and that's where the true concept 
of Bros and Bras was born. It, it came from not being able to find each other to race and daydreaming about the idea of having a group of people that were like-minded. Oh, and don't let me for, forget, I was like, well, if I did create a running group, I've been parts of running groups before where it's a little more intense. It's a little more about running hard, chasing hard, yeah, trying to win. Winning. Stuff like that. And I was like, let's make, since I'm busy running my business and Jenny has her career and other people have life going on, why don't we make, it'd be really great if we had a crew that was really kind of passive. We're going to train if we can train, race if we want to race, don't worry about winning, something for the middle and the back of the pack. So for the most part, at that point, at Freedom's Run 2013, I could be wrong with the dates, pardon me if I am, that's where we conceived the idea of Bros and Bros. Excellent. Mm -hmm. And I knew every year after Freedom's Run, we celebrate that fact. I know. It's like it's part of our homecoming event. Yes. This past year we had a super homecoming. Right. Yeah. Bro coming. Brome coming, yes. So all that being said, how did you finally come up with bros and brawls? Okay. So again I was like I was trying to find a way to spend a little bit of money in advertising or and I thought it'd be really neat just to sponsor some sort of team. And I remember I was driving from Charlestown to Fredericksburg. We were working on apartment buildings down there, and I had some, I had some workers with me. And uh, one of them was, one of them was Sean Leonard, and he was in the backseat of the truck, and we're just cruising down the highway, going to the job site. And, I, and he's into fitness; he's big into CrossFit. And I was like, I'm, I want to start this running group or a running team, and you know. They're like, what's the name? I said, maybe like Bracken's Running, you know, Bracken's Painting. Why not do Bracken's Running, kind of have the same logo, or Bracken's Racing, I don't know. And then Sean yells out, bro. I was like, bro. <laughs> He's like, yeah, bro, Bracken's Running Organization. I said, yeah, but it's kind of like for Jenny too, though. So like that bro's kind of just for dudes, not a running group just for dudes. So... And then another guy yelled at Bra, Bracken's Running Association. And I was like, well, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Bros and Bras. I said, but it's kind of redundant. So then, like, we kind of fiddled around, like, okay, we'll call it the Bracken's Running Organization and the Bracken's Racing Association, whatever. Ultimately, it's called Bros and Bras. And the, that is the, the truth. The true background of how that silly name got put together, B-R-O and B-R-A, bros are dudes, bras are girls, bras are where ladies keep their boobs. I know, I've heard all the negative blowback on that, which happened much later, but that's really where bros and bras came from. I know from wearing the shirts, people ask me all the time, what does that mean? Is that a bar? Oh, yeah. I mean, I get all kinds of crazy things. So. Oh, yeah, I, I've gotten, um, is it bros and bars? No. It's bras. Are you guys a clothing? Well, I'm jumping ahead, but we opened a, a, a an office clubhouse downtown, and um, we had a sign in the window, and people thought it was a. Is that a store for heavy fellas? Uh, is that a transgender clothing store? I got that one. Yeah. Um. The person I was renting from thought it was. Um, a lingerie store that I was opening. <laughs> I was like, no, no, it's just a, just a meeting place, a little clubhouse. Yeah, so that's where the name Bros and Bras came from. That's excellent. What uh, what what's the age group? I well, mean, explain that. I think we're jumping ahead a little bit because before you can before you can define what age should be at Bros and Bras, it's more about how did we even create what we became so in our first outing 2014 january whatever it was cold and i thought okay i've got to do something for my health i got to do something to get more fit jenny jenny's fitness is accelerating away from me like she's just going and i want to i want to be able to run with her i want to beat her in the races that's happened like twice ever but i wanted to beat her and I said, the only way I'm going to do this is if, if I invite people on a Saturday morning, even though it's January, 
I'll invite seven or eight, nine people out, and if they show up, I know I have to show up. And no matter what, as long as I invite people I know and people I like, and they understand that we're creating a, a tiny running group where there's no judgment, and there's no expectations, and I might run a mile, or I might, I'm talking about Kevin Bracken, who's very self-centered at the beginning, I might run a mile, I might run a mile and a half, I might walk two miles, I might walk a half mile. No matter what, we're going to come back to Black Dog, which is where this was started, Black Dog Coffee in Jefferson County. Start there, run, walk a little bit, come back, have coffee, talk about how terrible running is. <laughs> we're going to just commiserate with each other on just... And we still do that. Oh, my God, I hate running, and I hate trying to get into shape, because I was out of shape. So I invited nine people out. Um, I know Jenny was there, I was there, Bill was there, Fiona was there. And what's amazing is I... Maybe Mike Sanders. I forget who showed up. Because at the time, I didn't know how monumental that first event was. Yep. Um, but really, we had the most delightful cup of coffee. And I ran two miles. I went one mile out, one mile back, all running, not much walking. And I was I was cool with that. So the more comp- I bet Joey was there. I bet Joey Delgado was there. Um, but that was, it was, it sucked to run. It was kind of cold out, but we had coffee and we talked for about an hour and a half afterwards. Okay. And it was like, that was the best part. And I remember telling one or two other people, hey, we this little running group thing. We should go out. You should come out and check it out. Um, but it's no judgment, no expectations. You don't be fast. It's nice and easy. Don't sweat it. Don't sweat all that stuff. And um, from nine people on the first event, I think 18 showed up to the second weekend. That's big. That's a big jump. And we were yeah. like, wow, this is fun. Let's take a selfie and maybe back then we were just sharing it on our personal pages. There was no Bros Ambrose. There was no Bros Brackens. There was no Bros and Bras page. Bros and Bras just existed as a concept and a group name. So because of the no judgment, no expectations model or motto, it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter what level of shape you were in. It didn't matter if you were a walker or a runner. Mike Sanders wins. Joey's a very fast runner. Laura Bergman might have been there, too. I can't remember, but she freaking wins, too. So we had winners, and we had beginners. And me, Jenny, Fiona, a few of you, we were really beginners. And um, it was a mixture of beginners and accomplished people, and that's what made it fair, fair for everybody. So it wasn't stereotyped as slow people or fast people. It was everybody. So that being said, that answers your question. What's the age group? We've had as young as people bringing their kids to as old as, um, I'm not sure who the oldest is, but we have a relatively senior group who does quite a bit of walking and some running. I know Sandy's a, she's the OG. She's the original grandma <laughs> and, or original gangster because this is like her sixth running group. And she, um, she's one of our, and she wins her age group. It's usually in the 60s or 70s. I'm not sure. How far has Bros and Brawls reached? Man, um, that's again, that's another one of those jumping ahead questions. So, as the group grew, and because of my education, and to be totally, to be totally clear, Bros and Brawls, the concept of Bros and Brawls as a running group or as a fitness community, is actually the fifth version that I've built. I built one in New York City. I built one in Philly. I built one in D.C. And then we had a a splinter off in D.C. before this Bros and Bras concept was built. Um, How did they compare? Well, Philly was a not running. It was more of a fitness boot camp kind of environment of hundreds of members. And it was a program that I was able to sell the concept idea to um, universities. So we pr- produced it at uh, University of Sciences of Philadelphia, St. Joseph's University, Drexel. I was considering doing it at University of Pennsylvania, and uh, we did it at Temple also. Wow. Where I ended up going to grad school at Temple based on the success of this program. Um, Manhattan had more of a, um, a rock climbing and adventure racing an urban adventure racing feel to it and 
the one in Manhattan only had like 12 people. It was a very small but elitist group because we were doing multidiscipline, mountain biking, cycle, or, uh, mountain biking, running, hiking, rock climbing, and bouldering, and water sports out on the Hudson. Water sports like kayak, kayaking, and we would do brick workouts. You have a history in adventure sports. Yeah, I started racing in, in back in 2002, 2003, with um, ultra-endurance stuff, uh, adventure races that are typically 12 to 72 hours long. Wow. And that, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's deep in my history and part of what gives me the engine to keep going sometimes. Um, but it also put me in a position when you have athletes that are of that level, traditionally they're leaders, and they can mentor and show people the path if people are interested in going down the same road. And um, many things, my education, my drive, my experience in adventure sports. I also went to uh, Garrett College out in Western Maryland, which is a, a one-year program. I took a one-year program becoming guide level in uh, whitewater sports, kayaking, swift water rescue, cross-country skiing, mountain biking. Um, I started their adventure racing team which they're, they're, that team has actually won collegiate championships, I'm proud to say. Wow. But, I mean, I, I actually started that way back then. And then, so with all that background and then going to one of the top programs for, for sports and recreation administration in the country, one of the biggest prog- best programs for that for grad school, and then professionally having worked in Manhattan in um, fitness facilities and a, inevitably with Gold's Gym International for the, for, for the corporate side of the company. All these pieces allowed me kind of a global understanding of how to create culture in a fitness environment. So all of those, most of those ended up being aggressive fitness programs. And I thought it's a much larger population for relaxed fitness, people who are more passive. So that's why the Bros and Bras became a Oh, and my life changed, man. I started a business, got married. You know, I didn't have all that free time like I did when I was in college to mm-hmm. do tons and tons of fitness. So let's let's approach this realistically. And that's where the no judgment, no expectations part of the concept came out. And I said, let's cater to, there's winners. There's winners at races and there's top 20% in racers. Let's cater to the, t- the bottom 65, 70% of runners because I bet they have more fun they're not taking themselves too seriously. They do. So the group exploded in growth. Um, within a year to a year and a half, we had gained state-level acknowledgement. You know, through working, Dr. Mark learning about us with two of his treads. That's when they were in Shepherdstown. Um, and other community leaders saw that we were we really had created a fitness movement in Charlestown specifically and some of the surrounding areas and that, and that dozens and dozens of people were participating so it went from nine people to during our peak we'll get 55 or more almost 60 people at an opening event like first weekend at the farmer's market or first weekend back at Black, Black Dog, Dog. Um, as that gained popularity um Groups would reach out to me and ask me to present to them about what we're doing and why we're seeing success. How can we bring the success of Bros and Bras to entities across the state? Um, so other counties wanted a Bros and Bras type group. I encouraged them to change the name from Bros and Bras to do a group that reflects what's in their community. Um, and I would coach them on how to create a group that has no judgment and no expectations because I find that model to be working very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I presented at the Try This conference, I think for three years in a row. Um, luckily, I was able to consult a few motivated community members with groups throughout the state. I think there were five in total. Three of the five actually got grant money because they were working with us to build their group because they were actual nonprofits. Um, whether those groups are still active or not, I'm not really sure. I offered basically over the phone consultation. I didn't have time to travel around the state for free to help people, but I shared what worked for us. You know, um, <clears throat> our social media at one point had over 1,300 friends 
That's pretty big. That's 1,300 people looking to follow us. Um, At our peak, we had, I think it was 56 events a month in June and July. And I want to say that was in 16, 2016. My first year. It was was insanely busy. It was very active. I Um, remember. If you want to say what is our reach... You can be traveling in an airport in San Francisco, and if you're wearing your bros and bras hoodie, you might get recognized by somebody. Um, it happens a lot at airports. It happens a lot at races. Um, people will say, hey, I know somebody in that group. Um, My daughter saw someone in Colorado. At the top of a mountain, right? Yep, at the top of the mountain, and they, their son had been on your Appalachia Ragnar team. Yeah, that's Sean. Yep. Sean and his, um, his wife, his, his yeah. wife's um, father. Yeah, that's incredible. I know it is. It's amazing. Because your daughter was wearing the jersey or wearing the shirt. No, right? he 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 had on a Ragnar shirt. Oh, is what it was. Okay. And she said, "My dad does Ragnars," and uh, just did the Appalachian one. He goes, oh, "I did too." And they got talking about that, and then he said, "This rowdy group of bros and brawls were camped across from us." <laughs> he said, "My son was with them on their team." So yeah, yeah. They, we uh, we take usually three, four teams. Right. Ragnar, and it can be rowdy. It's it's a lot of fun. Right. So, I guess to finish answering that part of your question, that it's big. The group is big, and I saw the demand for affiliation. People wanted to be affiliated with the running club. So then we started to create T-shirts, mm-hmm. and we had T-shirts professionally made. And then we needed so many T-shirts that I bought a T-shirt making machine. And we just started cranking out shirts and selling them super cheap. We'd go to TJ Maxx and buy a bunch of their clearance performance gear and then try to screen our image on there. And then people would just come and buy it. And that would create, I think we have somewhere in a range of 1,700 shirts that were sold or given away at races. I remember it used to be uh, after five events, you got a free T-shirt. I know they were they were rules. Yeah. I know, like if you, that's right. And man, there's so many components. So if you talk about what is the reach, you can talk about it. How many people participate? You can talk about how far is our influence, like across the state of West Virginia. Sean Upperson, or no, uh, Nick, ran his first marathon in Greece. I know he wore Bros a bro shirt. Brawl. I know yep. that's 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 global, and then. We have we have one bra that holds. We have one bra that completed a quintuple Ironman, like oh yeah, that's Caroline. It, yep. We we have superstars and we have people just starting out, you know. But if you like, so we reach globally. We've definitely had our shirts like in Thailand, so it's gone around. But there's also a component. I wanted to use the momentum of Bros and Bras to help stimulate economic development in Charlestown. I said, let's figure out a way to get more people moving downtown. When a new business opens up or a business doesn't seem like you know much about it, why don't we host a Bros and Bras run there once? Everybody meets inside. Oh, hey, this is the place. This is cool. It's a cool kind of shop. Then we go for a run, come back there, check the shop out again, and then go to a restaurant or a bar or something like that. So the economic drivers of bros and bras was something i implemented also and that continues to be part of our outreach and how far do we reach is how much are we able to help businesses now we're not currently doing that because that was back in the beginning but that was also something that you could define as our reach and our 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 runs black dog right farmer's market ortegas yeah you, you know abolitionist sale they um, every Thursday they put out pictures of water force. They know we're coming and they are really accommodable. You know, they're they're that's, there for us. That's and we really appreciate a picture of water. It's amazing how much we do appreciate. <laughs> yes, isn't we it? do. Um, so I hope that answers your question. It's hard to measure the reach, and it's hard to really define what reach. You can't just say it's one thing. It has a lot of influences as a group, the size that we are. Does Bros and Brawls ever hold events to raise funds for nonprofit? Well, sure. So, in my never-ending wisdom, and I rub my forehead when I say that, for some reason, I thought it would be smart to make Bros and Brawls a nonprofit. 
right? Okay, so let's make it a nonprofit. That means we're gonna we'll be our own charity, and we'll raise money for charity, and we'll raise enough money to run ourselves, and that seemed like a really smart idea. And looking back, it was one of the biggest mistakes I made with Bros and Bras. It should have just stayed an entity that I managed and that I owned for the most part. Um, because we became a nonprofit, if we were raising money, we were raising money for ourselves. Now, what did we do as a nonprofit? We created affordable and accessible fitness opportunities for anyone. For anyone. That was kind of our, our vision and our where we wanted to go. Um, we had a 5K, and then we had 10 more 5Ks. We had them at one course. We had them at another course. We ran the course backwards. We wore out Sam Michaels Park. <laughs> I mean, we just we ran so many races there. We got tired of going there. So, um, my goal and my dream was to have a race in downtown Charlestown. And Mayor Peggy Smith allowed us that opportunity back in the beginning, and that was really good. And we've had some really great, what I would almost deem borderline flawless events. A lot of training, a lot of effort went into it. A lot of volunteers. Um, as for raising money for anything outside of our organization, we raised money for uh, the Mountain Mamas. That was our first race. The Pink Race. Man, we didn't, ra- we didn't raise anything. We grossed $5,500 in that race, but we spent 5050 in um, signs, cones, tables, canopies, finish lines, all these things that we had to have to run the race, insurances, park rental gazebo rental or whatever it's called there the the pavilion rental um every single expense we ended up giving them a 500 dollars donation only for me to realize that i had forgotten to pay the rescue squad <laughs> so i actually lost a hundred dollars in our first race personally or the, the group did the club did or whatever so we raised we raised some money for the mountain mamas which was a uh, a breast cancer awareness walking group which jenny was a part of also I remember that race. There must have been that was our biggest race. plus people there. More. Two two thirty eight. Wow! It was oh, our was, biggest race it ever. It was huge. Right. Yeah. That was my first. Nice. That's your first it. race ever. Yeah, walked I remember it. that. Right. Yeah. So then, um, later on, we, we had a few more races and raised money for ourselves. Then we uh, partnered. Then um, we determined that it's almost impossible to raise money for a charity in a five k. You just don't make money. T shirts, medals. The overheads just aren't there for what the market will bear for a small town 5K. So we said, okay, why not raise awareness? So we paired up with um, other nonprofits that wanted to raise awareness. The event allowed them to raise money if they had the bandwidth or the ability to fundraise on site or to encourage people to give donations. But we would use the race to make you aware of a service in town or uh, a program in town. And that was partially successful. Most people wanted to use a race to raise money, and they would become disheartened when they realized you couldn't make, you couldn't win money. You just couldn't ra- you couldn't raise money really. Um, we had the APUS race, which ended up being the Bros and Bras for vets. And although we had a moderately rocky relationship with APUS until things got the details got ironed out, they were gracious enough to donate us a. Um, uh, that incredible finish line mm-hmm. that we have now. But that race was meant to raise money for um, Boulder Crest Retreat, which is a, uh, a veterans retreat facility in um, Percival, or, or over there by Bluemont, Virginia. It's a beautiful facility. Um, Bros and Bras raised $1,800. We donated every dollar to that. So because we had equipment and the equipment had kind of paid itself off, we actually did raise some money. And we donated 1800 bucks. City National Bank gave us that big fake check. They bought one of those oh, for yeah. us, which we still have somewhere. Um, so, yes, we have raised money for charities through having events. And I'm probably forgetting some possibly important ones, but it's over the course of five years, which this Friday is our fifth birthday. Um, a lot has happened. It's a pretty big group. And the touch on the to, – to circle back to the whole nonprofit thing, If you have questions about that, I'll answer those. But those are relatively technical questions. Yeah, you touched on it good enough.
What's the key to Bros and Brawl's success? Well, I'm sitting across the table from one of them. Uh, you're funny. No, really, man. So the volunteers. Yeah, there's an entire series of volunteers that really helped this group grow. Okay, I had a vision. I had an idea. I then got really too big for my britches, and we started creating more and more runs. So the first run was a Saturday morning run, 8 a.m. We all show up, Black Dog, good to go. As spring started to creep around, we heard about this thing called the Charlestown Farmer's Market. I said, wouldn't that be great to link up with them? So me and Fiona, she's one of the bosses over there, she said, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's make it a thing. You know, and, and, but there was no course there like there was at Black Dog. So you run kind of wherever you want. So that's where it shifted. Then I met Anne, Anne Gore. She, um, she wanted to run, but she's a hairstylist, and Saturday mornings don't work for her. I said, well, Anne, let's start a Friday morning. If you can run Friday mornings, we'll start a Friday morning. She's like, okay, how about 7 o'clock? And as long as you can come for six weeks or so, and you can commit to being there, you're kind of the point person. You're not the leader. You're not in charge. But it's kind of it's Anne's run. It was Anne's Friday morning run is what we called it. So that turned into a Thursday afternoon run, and there's a Tuesday run, and there was Hills and Brewskis. I don't even know what day that was on. And then Thursday. Saturday, Thursdays, and then Saturdays turned into race weekends, and then Sundays turned into Ragnar trail training up on the mountain. <laughs> um, and, and all of a sudden, the grandmas showed up, and then there was a stroller walk, and then the grandmas stroller walk, and then there was um, an entirely another entity that got, we had a, a splinter group called Jefferson Activities Group which is part of Bros and Bras, but it had a more family-friendly name. But each one of these events was led by somebody who cared and wanted to do something in fitness and didn't mind doing it for the community, and everybody would show up in their Bros and Bras gear, and they'd go for walks or runs, and it was all fun, and we tried to set everything up so it had some sort of social um, component at the end. But it could not be done without volunteers. And when I say I got too big for my britches, it's because... I couldn't be at all of them anymore. That was growing beyond me. Um, when the nonprofit got established, I rounded up the absolute best people I could think of at the time. The best people I knew, I rounded up and asked them to help me lead a nonprofit. Again, man, I did not know <laughs> what I was doing. Um, we got Mary Burns on as my first person, and she was going to be my president of the board. Uh, we recruited Bethany Casto. She's one of the smartest people, most logical people I've ever met. And, and I, I loved her having her on the board. Rob Leland. Um, Bill Young as one of the founders. Um, Jen Charlebois. Uh, who, am I, who am I forgetting here? Uh, Melissa Knott. She was our banker and our, and our, and our money person. And she, and she had familiarity with running nonprofits also. Um, the things that they did behind the scenes to keep the nonprofit legitimate by the books, the way the state and the, and the federal government wanted to be, was, was tireless work. The amount of work Rob does at races, um, helping manage the finish line, he takes that whole component off my plate, which is a major component when it comes to safety and running the actual race. Um, these volunteers are the people that created these volunteers are the education that bros and bras needed to graduate and move out of the house and get a job. And at this point, because of how great the volunteers are, bros and bras is ultimately an adult with a family now and totally has a good job. Like it's out of the house, out of the nest, breathing on its own, running its own life, and it's amazing. But it's because of the continued energy of the volunteers and because somehow it maintains an endless amount of positivity, you know, at the events. Did I answer that well enough? I'd, I'd say so. Nice. Uh, what do you see in upcoming year as possible events we might look for? Okay. This, this is not going to be a popular answer. As, as we were dissolving, well, before we dissolved the nonprofit, we... Um, I saw the future of my businesses, Bracken's Painting and Bracken's Plowing, as um, projecting to be significantly busier, which would not allow me to be able to take on the responsibilities of an executive director anymore. So I created an exit, exit, exit plan, an exit strategy that allowed others to step up if anybody was willing to. Um, back then, I had time to run 
five or six 5Ks. And when I mean run, I mean produce as the, uh, the leader of Bros and Bras. These 5Ks and these big events. Big events like the Shamrock Run. And we had scavenger hunts around town. And all mm-hmm. these things that were in the, the true heyday of eventing at Bros and Bras. Um, I needed someone to step up. We were unable to find what's been defined as like a community champion who could create and implement a vision working with a board. This ties into me answering this question. The nonprofit was dissolved after a year and a half of bobbling back and forth trying to figure it out. And frankly, I know I'm not used to work with anyways, but the through the efforts of everybody, it was just determined that why don't we just shut this thing down, just have a great group instead of making it an official nonprofit. But a lot of that stemmed from the fact that I just couldn't be there. Now, each year since then, we've been putting on less and less races. And a lot of that comes down to my, my bandwidth. The volunteer base is exhausted. The volunteers want to do other things besides work a 5K on a, on a, on a race weekend. And we usually have plenty of volunteers. But me as the leader, as the ultimate race director, it's, 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 it's on me, it's on my shoulders. So sure, we could produce a race at Sam Michaels, but we've lost or destroyed 60% of our signs. Mm-hmm. So we have to find a way to get more signs. And we still have a bunch of cones, but that's because I bought them with my money. Um, and then the finish line is still there, but it takes a two-man crew to set that, that big pig up. Mm-hmm. It's a big inflatable. I mean, it's huge. And then what if it's windy or a gust of wind comes and knocks it down during the race? It's like, who's there to build it back up? Um, I feel that I've lost the... And dude, everybody will say they're ready to volunteer and they're ready to help and they'll do whatever it takes to help make it happen. But life happens, family happens, jobs happen, babies happen. Who knows? Things happen, right? So the ability to rely on volunteers is very tough. That's why I'm very blessed to have the volunteers I do have that run the daily and weekly programming of Bros and Bras, but I don't have the bandwidth to put races together. We had an incident at um, West Virginia Day last year um, where we had challenges with, with traffic control and just barely, barely got it done. And... Um, due to traffic being routed away from Washington Street. Nobody's fault at all. But all of a sudden I found 18-wheelers trying to make wide right turns on my race course that haven't been there in the last two years. 18-wheelers and big moving trucks and then cars in a hurry trying to find their way around the roadblocks from the race and from the downtown event. Mm -hmm. It created an unsafe environment. So I'm trying to design a new West Virginia Day course, but I'm really struggling to find that course that puts less responsibility on police presence or volunteers blocking roads. And if I can't find the course, we can't have a race. Um, The New Year's Day race that we partnered with Rotary on, I had to tell them back in October, I don't see me having the availability and the time to put into months ahead of time the production of that race. So it falls on me being too busy and having new priorities that I didn't have four years ago, three years ago. So what events? Jack, I'm going to say that what we're able to do is going to rely on someone to step up and create the event they want to do. And they're going to have to own it if they want to have another event. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm smoked, man. I need time with my family. I need downtime. I, I, the things I need to do. You talk about the... New Year's Day race that, yeah. that you just decided not to have, but in true bros and brawl fashion, what happened? Yeah, well, I mean, the day before, I said, hey, let's just go have a race anyways. Yeah. Luckily, the park was cool with that. They knew we were coming, and we ran an unofficial go out and run three miles on New Year's Day at the same time. And that's a lot easier to plan last minute. The course, the course wasn't marked. There was no registration. There were no bibs. There was no signs. There was no... Food at you the had, end. You had a great turnout. Yeah, it was, it was a really good event. I think we I had mean, like, it was amazing. Just word of mouth. Like 50 people, yeah. Yeah. And, and what's really crazy, Jack, is that I didn't know 30% of them. Just a lot of people I didn't know either, yeah. Right. So that was, it was, it's good. That's it's good. It's good outreach. Yeah. But when it comes to 
people want to raise money for charity, that's fine, man. That's great. But you got to raise money for yourself first. You got to become a solid entity first. And if you want to have a race, let's let's set up a race. But unfortunately, you can't rely on a lot of me. I can help on the phone, but due to my travel and my professional career right now, I'm not able to help on site. All right. Yeah. Well, that said. What kind of vision do you have for Bros and Brawls in the future, say, in the next five, ten years? I'm happy to say that even though I'm seen as the leader of Bros and Brawls, um, I'm kind of like the dad of a grown person. And I can be called on for advice or guidance or a little help from time to time. But really, Bros and Bras is doing what it wants to do on its own right now. I don't have any. Um, I don't. I don't have any specific goal or direction that I see it going. But I will tell you this: I see it maturing. On its own, bro. It's not me, man. It's not me. We've been to Vegas, with Bros and Bras. Probably like 15 of us. I don't even know because that was a blur. Okay. Yes. Oh, we were brochured by you. Right. <laughs> um, Philadelphia. We've been to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Where else have we gone, man? We've gone around. We've had destination runs, like you said. It's well, you went to that high bridge. That was a trip. Mm-hmm. We've done something in Roanoke, right? Yes. Um, with that race. What I'm seeing now is that, and what was crazy was, we started off as a group of people just trying to get a 5K done. The 5K has turned into half marathons. And now when you go to these bigger races, a lot of people are in the half marathon. They're not even in the 5K, which boggles my brain because this group was for 5K runners. Last year's Freedom Run. Yeah, there's only three people in the 5K. It's insane. Like I, And when we do races, I usually do the smaller race because that's my jam, dude. I'm not <laughs> trying to do the big races, even though sometimes I do. But I think that Bros and Bras is morphing more into um, – it's going to do what it's always done, which is support itself and each other at the um, local events. But we're seeing, like, uh, South Carolina's coming up. There's a, a bunch of people going to South Carolina. Yeah, April 4th. I heard a rumor. Run. Yeah, I heard a rumor about uh, something in New Orleans. Yeah, I've heard a rumor. New Orleans rock and roll. Yeah, on the mic. So, New Orleans rock and roll. Um, I think there's a road trip to Richmond happening. I think there's... Um, Bro, is there a Key West race or Key West Marathon? There's been about? talk. There's been talk about the Key West Half Marathon. Yeah, that's in like 2021 or something. Yeah. And there's also been talk about the H- Hawaii Marathon. People have talked about it. So, yeah. I don't see anything that I'm doing for the vision, but the amount of close relationships that are being created between families and individuals in this group is allowing for them to literally vacation together now. Yeah. And that's that's something that's a really neat path that it's going down. So it's not like it's a, a business for me and it's not like I carry any particular vision that I wanted to follow. The fact that it's breathing on its own and running itself is the is the most incredible gift I could have ever gotten mm-hmm. from this club. And, and you, you just had a hand in starting up with t-shirts and the, the new website. You want to talk about that? So sure. So there was so much demand for Bros and Bros t-shirts and I had this addiction to opening businesses back then that I opened my own t-shirt company which allowed me the ability to pump out affordable merchandise for Bros and Bras, and then it also allowed me to cut margins on races so instead of buying t-shirts from a t-shirt company we could produce our own based on who's registered right there on site. Uh-huh. And then um, we, I determined that that was not a viable entity for me any longer, and I was able to sell the equipment to a guy named Ben, Ben Shriver or Shriver, I think is his last name. He has agreed to merchandise our stuff, which, man, there's so many waterfalls that this company, that the, the Bros and Bras have flowed down over the time from from the headwaters to 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 where it is, but. Basically, we've had like three different websites, you know, and now the Bros and Bras website doesn't even exist anymore, but the calendar exists online, but it's hosted inside one of my websites. And, um, and what's, what, what is that website called? 
I'm not. I can't discuss that yet. Cause okay. It's still under construction, bro. Okay. It's, it's, it'll never. It'll never be done. <laughs> but we'll put it in the comments of this podcast. I'm just. I'm embarrassed because it got released before it was done by people in my party. I think. But. So the calendars were on there, but then we also created a, a store, and one of the bros and bras is a pretty good photographer. So we have what looks like pretty professional photos, and it's it's kind of silly because it's the models are bros and bras, and we're back to selling T-shirts, and the T-shirts go to this company. It doesn't go. It, we kind of funnel it, you know. Um, I get back enough to cover the cost of the website. I think we we have to sell a hundred shirts a year to cover the cost of the website. That's it. The rest of it is his profit. Um, but that's his t-shirt company. So we still have, we now have access to merchandise if we want it. And it's, there's a unique drop ship scenario that's set up with that. Uh, and it's the same website that's hosting this podcast for the most part. And a few other of my, um, projects that I have going on. But as a bro, sometimes we have our own merchandise we want to get bros and brawls put on. Mm -hmm. And we can actually do that through this t-shirt venue yeah that's true you can um coordinate with the vendor to give him your like nike apparel that you want the logo put on and we did that with my t-shirt company so i encourage this guy to take a few more steps and allow that to happen yeah but it's neat that you, you can buy it all online so we went from like meeting me at the clubhouse to to get your shirt to now he'll drop ship it to the store and literally you go to the store and get it a few days after you ordered it. So the, the store being two river trips. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't really speak about that either, man, that relationship. Yeah. So two rivers treads moved from, there's a lot of the, the negotiations that I'll keep to myself, but Dr. Mark and I ended up talking about moving in together in Ransom in a facility that we felt we both could afford. The um, it quadrupled his retail space, and it created a um, a really great clubhouse for us. Now most people were under the impression that we were like this crazy party group that like to drink beer and go out and get wild. And although we are, it's like once a month, or even less than that. But it looks like it's all the time. So he was prepared for a much rowdier group to be in his store, and that wasn't the case. But having Dr. Mark and Two Rivers Treads in our pocket um, is an incredible, incredible resource. And the amount that he does for the community, it's impossible to measure. You know, the things he gives away, the encouragement he gives, the clinics. There's got to be what a, one week, a clinic a week over there. It's almost like a, a running factory in that store. But there's four or five treadmills, the, the true form runners. There's... And, and their staff will watch you run on it and help you adjust your gait. They'll help you find a way to um, pain-free running. And it, that is truly an incredible relationship we have there. Yeah. Yep. What well, else? Good. What, what did we not cover? Did a pretty good job answering a lot of questions, uh, elaborating. Uh, Let's talk about Ragnar. <laughs> yeah. What about Ragnar? So the Ragnar. Like I said at the beginning, we did our first Ragnar before Bros and Bras existed, and then we had such a good time. We were like, let's, let's go again. And um, in my second year doing Ragnar and Bros and Bras's first year doing Ragnar, we took three teams. So we went from one team to having three teams out there. And then we took like four canopies. We had this huge, this huge setup. We became very well known there. Mm -hmm. So much so that we're known, the Bros and Bras Ragnar team is recognizable nationwide. People have seen us for sure because our tents have all these bras hanging from them. We have big flags that are up in the air. Depending on the number of teams we have it determines the size of our our setup. Um, and Jack, I think it was before you came along, I had these um, platforms built that were in the oh, back yeah, of the trailer. Oh yeah, I've seen the videos. And we, um, so we literally put down decking. We had decking and, and this is in a campsite where it's very primitive camping. But Ragnar is, is where we bring our warriors to go out and test themselves. Hey, do you think you've got what it takes to do a Ragnar? And Ragnar's, I can say it sounds simple because I've done 13 at this point. But it's three laps, you know. It's a maximum of maybe 14 miles total. One, one, one race is during the day. The next run is in the, in the evening or late night. The next one's in the early in the morning or midday the next day. And 
you have to be conditioned to tr to run three races in that amount of time. You have to be ready to um, relay with your teammates. You want to be trained up. But I know that I've ca of the 13 races, I think I captained uh, nine of them. And uh, being a captain is a, is a real honor and a real pain in the ass because you gotta you got to rally your whole team. you got to get things up to get up and running. Um, at last count, we had over 50 Ragnarians in the club, and I stopped counting probably three years ago, maybe two years ago. Um, it's, it is a really, it's really great for our group to go to that kind of a proving ground. I mean, we like going to Harper's Ferry Half, and we like going to Freedom's Road. And those are premier races in our calendar. Um, but if we're training for a fist fight, our fist fight is Ragnar. Yes, we are there is. to throw down. We're there to prove ourselves, prove ourselves to ourselves. We're there to for the camaraderie and the, and the team cohesiveness that our team has when we're out there and the support. Um, I used to have the numbers, but I think we've fielded somewhere in the to the tune of 28, 29 teams. Yeah. Since the first one. Yeah, since the first mm -hmm. one. And several of us have multiple ones. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on maybe what you're thinking about? No. Okay. Announcing your plans is a good way to hear God laugh. So, <laughs> Especially for Ragnar. Yeah, Ragnar being the god of whatever. He, he loves to stir things up on you. So, um, Well, there's different aspects to Ragnar. There's a lot of people one and done. They've done it. They check it off the bucket list and they're done. There's other Ragnar, Ragnarians that want to do a lot. I, I actually met my friend Amy Garrison, who did 10 last year. It's, it's, it becomes a club within inside the club. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of different things that come across from Ragnar. There's more than just going and running a race. Right. Well... You can explore what your limits are, because there's two versions of Ragnar. There's the road Ragnar, which I've never done. Twelve people run all day and all night, shuttling between two vans. I don't even want to get into the logistics and the details of that, because I, I don't know. And there's a few people who've done road. The more fun Ragnar is the one where you camp as a team in one site, and you kind of cloverleaf out from the campsite on each loop. Uh, that's more fun to me because we can hang out the entire time and see each other the entire time, the whole team. There's people up all 24 hours. Yeah. When actually, we make it a little longer. We go a day early. Uh. Well, yeah, th there's that component. But let me think here. The Trail Ragnar throws you a curveball in that you can be trained, but then you don't know how technical the trail is. You can be trained, but then you don't know what the weather's going to throw at you. We've had one race where the entire race was brownie batter. You were running in brownie batter mud that was two to six inches deep. Mary Burns was so short, she fell into this fairy disguised puddle, like up to her hips. Like she had to swim out, crawl out of a hole in the middle of the hardest leg in the middle of the night. That's insane. Um, but a lot of really good glory stories of glory come out of the uh, out of the Ragnar events and yeah, I wish I had the numbers on how many loops we'd run, how many Ragnarians have been there, who's done the most or who's done a significant amount that kind of thing that's fun um, I've retired from Ragnar three years in a row I'm not <laughs> doing any more Ragnars but that's probably a lie because it's just too fun <laughs> yeah let me check my notes and make sure I'm not forgetting anything anything important that I should share. Um, we know Jenny. She'll be on the podcast eventually. She is she is the club's cheerleader. She is the dominant. She is, she is the dominant cheerleader. She is there and positive and encouraging for everyone. She's a, she's absolutely amazing. You know she's she's the pri primary bra. She's the first bra. The club was almost for the most part built for her you know that's how it was all kind of got started um i look forward to hearing what her perspective of the club is and what it means to her the same way we've talked about it with you and carmen and sarah and a few others 
So, any other questions for me? You said five-year plan. You know, I don't know about that. Anything? Nope, I'm good. Were there any questions online that needed to be addressed? I picked some of the the better ones. Uh, I put that question out the other day and to have people respond. Uh, they do want to know how much money you spend on uh no, man, that's, that's, that's Chris Baker. He's just being a clown. That's my boy. <laughs> yeah. Just but that's to, us. That's, that's, yeah, just, that's just all of to, us together. Trying to turn me sideways on that. Let me look at some of these questions I ask people. So um, what accomplishments have I seen since joining Bros and Bros? Yeah. So for me, if you remember, it was just for me to get in shape. So sure, I've run some 5Ks. Okay. I've run a couple 10Ks. Um. I had two fitness careers. One was back in the early 2000s, which I closed out in like 2008, 2010, somewhere in that range where I stopped doing ultra-endurance stuff. So I have my firsts back in those days. But in the second chapter, which is this chapter, um, I've done some 50Ks. I've done some marathons, many of which I was not trained well enough for. Um, But those were successful. I was lucky to have put ultra richmond and ultra west virginia to bed last year i did ultra ragnars which is six laps 30 some odd miles each one again wasn't trained well enough for those at all yeah it's nice when i am trained Uh, i got to run in the colorado mountains for the first time two years ago and that was really hard i was in the best shape of my life and it was still super hard uh that that was that was nice um I've I've run some fun races. I've gotten to compete with my friends. And when I say that, they just happen to be people who are running near me in the pack. It's not like I'm targeting and training to beat somebody. It's like you see somebody, mm-hmm. you catch them. That's my goal. Yep. It's, it's still a race, right? Um, you know, but ultimately what I've gotten from this group is um, I can go out to any one of the events and within a half hour of spending time with bros and bras, I feel that my, my heart is full. That sounds so cheesy and so it's cliche. Not, it's not cheesy at all. It's wonderful. But I leave feeling like a, a really good person, and I feel it's, it's really, really refreshing. Um, I, I do have certain impressions of the group. And uh, just like I imagine a parent would see a grown child acting a certain way as an adult, you're like, that's not what the plan was, yeah. right? But I see the group as being a little clicky. I see the group as having the senior members are way, way, way too close compared to new members. And I imagine the group is, isn't as welcoming as it used to be. And that's something that I'm softly encouraging the group to do when we have a social, people pair off and their clicks and that's cool it's fun it truly is fun but the nature of our group is to welcome everybody and um, with all the new people joining recently it's crucial that we maintain the all welcoming but what's really neat is that I'll mention hey Lauren's new go meet her hey Mike's new go meet him as soon as I say that the group just pivots and they all they all go right towards that new person that's really 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 good um and I would say, I guess, the final question for me, to me, would be, what would I share with somebody who was nervous about coming out? I would say this. In an, in an environment where it truly is no judgment, no expectations, in an environment where you don't know who's fast and who's slow, in an environment where we all found something on sale at TRT and we all look like legit runners and you see that the person dressed as the most legit runner is actually just out there walking. <laughs> like, it's okay. It's okay to come out in sweats. It's okay to come out in hoodies. You don't need to be covered in all the performance gear. You can be... The people who are the least in shape show the results the fastest. And you begin to plateau. You're never as good as your first day. If that makes sense? Mm-hmm. It's like you... The feelings you get in your fitness are harder to attain the later you get the better shape you get in you know it's harder to get faster 
except for when you're new. When you get faster, much faster than you do when you're – that doesn't make any damn sense, but you know what I'm saying. You go from 48 minutes walking that first 5K to trying to be a sub-30. Yeah. In the first year or two. Even faster than that. I think yeah. the first six months you could pull that off if yeah. you're consistent yeah. coming out. The thing is that there's like four or five running coaches in the club. And they're not like selling services. They're just people who've been through certifications, you know. Um, you can learn from them. You can learn from Dr. Mark and his clinics. You can learn from just running side by side with each other. But anybody who's nervous about coming out because they're not a fast runner, bro, you don't know who's fast. You don't know what fast means. Jenny is fast. Hmm. Bergman is fast. Sanders is fast. I'm slow. No matter what. Like, I'm, I'm a slow dude. And then I say I'm slow, and then someone gets insulted over here because they're way slower than I am. And that makes them slower. So it's like, it's not even a measure. It's no judgment. It's no expectations. People are freaking nice. And even if you see it seems like a little bit of a click, or the table's all taken up at Black Dog with people, and they're all talking about some shenanigans they're getting into with whatever race, whatever, whatever, you just come and get in it. Say, hey, I'm new. It's my first time. And then all of a sudden, the group's like, what's up? Yep. So I guess that's how I would encourage somebody like that. We were all new once. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And my first day, I think I squeaked out two miles. So what do you say? Is that good enough? Sounds good. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks so much, Jack. I really appreciate it, bud. I would like to thank City National Bank in Ranson, West Virginia. They have graciously allowed me to record this podcast in their conference room. City National Bank is a full-service community bank that provides an array of financial services. They offer a range of free checking accounts and saving products, savings products for both consumers and business customers. City National Bank also offers competitive low-rate and low-cost lending products for home equity lines of credit, consumer and business loans, including no-down-payment mortgages. I personally bank with Melissa Knott at City National. She truly takes care of my business and personal banking needs. She can be reached at both the Ranson and Charlestown branches in Jefferson County, West Virginia. Check them out at www.bankatcity.com.